vacation this week, and we went to Florida, and we were sitting on the beach, and as you can tell, I, I, I'm, I'm so tan now, I can't, I'm so tan, and uh, yeah, I put a hundred block on, I put a hundred block on when I go to the beach, I'm really white, right, and uh, it's my Irish blood, my Irish blood, I'm half Irish, half Nigerian, I don't know how that worked out, but the Nigerian, the, the, the just didn't, the pigmentation didn't come through, but yeah, I put, my dad says, hey, Terry, you know, I read an article that after you get over, after you get over 40 block, it doesn't matter how much you do, I said, well, I'm sticking with 100, I'm sticking with 100, it, wor- it works for me. Well, we're in a series uh, this summer called Running with the Giants, and uh, let me just take a few minutes to give you kind of the, the biblical, historical context of how, how I came up with this series, and, uh, and then I then we'll get into it, and I think you'll enjoy it this morning. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul, how many of you ever heard of the Apostle Paul in the Bible? He's a very pivotal figure. In fact, you know, of the 27 books in the New Testament portion of the Bible, he wrote 13, and if you count Hebrews, which I think he wrote also, that would be 14. So he, the Apostle Paul, he wrote half of our New Testament. And over a 20-year period, he went all over the Mediterranean world, and he started churches all over. And he was, he was an, they call him an apostle, but he was an apostle. He oversaw all these churches. And one of the things that he, if you read the, his books that he read four or five times, he uses the analogy of running a race, like a physical race, because in these days they had all these Olympic games and so forth. All the, all the little towns had, had local competitions and races and all kinds of things. And he used the analogy of running a physical race or competing in, in some type of a sport activity to running the race in our Christian lives. And he always encouraged all the early Christians in the church that he wrote to that they were supposed to run in a way as to win the prize. And if you think about it, when you're in any kind of a sporting event or any type of a uh, competition, you know, it takes determination, it takes discipline, it takes endurance. And it takes focus to complete it. And these same ingredients we need in our Christian lives if we're going to be successful. How many of you know that running the Christian race, pursuing God, following God, it's not so easy sometimes? Can I get a better amen? It's not that, it's not, there's obstacles, there's disappointments. You wouldn't believe how many times I talk to Christians and they're disappointed about something that happened. I'm like, hey. You can't focus on what happened. You've got to focus on Jesus, right? He's the prize. He's the one that doesn't disappoint us. People do whether they mean to or not. We're, we're, we're just, we're human. And so our text this series comes from Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, and it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And, and so there's three things in this verse that I think are very interesting. First of all, it says that we have a great cloud of witnesses watching us. So all the men, all the women who we read about in the, in the Bible, all the early mothers and fathers of the Christian faith, they're a cloud of witnesses. They're watching us, and, and they're not watching to demean us. They're, they're encouraging us. They're, they want us. To, to take the Christian faith further than they did. They want us to keep, keep it going. And then it says, let us throw off everything that hinders us. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you were hindered at some point this week? Yeah, how many of you say, yeah, they're sitting right next to me? No, no, don't, don't do that. 
Uh, but there, there are things that hinder us. And some of the things that hinder us, they're not bad things. They're not terrible things. But sometimes when we look back on our life, we realize that, man, a lot of the things that are, that are taking, that consuming such an important part of my life, they really don't matter. You know, that, so that, that's kind of the things that hinder us. So there's things that hinder us, and those aren't necessarily bad or evil things. They just get in the way. But then there's sin that so easily entangles us. And I don't want to ask, I'm going to ask you this, don't raise your hands, but how many of you have ever been entangled by sin? We got some nodding going on. So in the, the, there's things that get in our way, there's sin that, man, it just wraps its tentacles around us, and it really keeps us from, from following God the way that we would like to. So as I was studying this, for this series, I thought about this, I thought, what if the cloud of witnesses, what if some of the spiritual giants that went before us what if they came down with us as we're running our race to follow God what if they came down with us and ran for us a little bit just came down and ran with us for a couple miles and and talked to us and encouraged us what would they say what would their words of encouragement be and, and I do want to point out <clears throat> that it would be words of encouragement they wouldn't be there to beat us up they would be there uh, to encourage us and in week one, this is our third week, in week one, we talked about Noah. And I th think of Noah, excuse me, <clears throat> I believe that anyone dealing with allergies, all right, I am too. I believe Noah would tell us this, that one person can make a difference. And if you read the life of Noah, his life made a difference. We still read about him today, we still marvel about building the ark and, and, and all these things. Then last week, we talked about Esther. And I believe Esther would tell us this, that you and I, would you say you and I, you and I, we were born for such a time as this. And Esther was, was born at a pivotal time in history when she was able to save her people, all the Jewish remnant who were in the Persian Empire that had been taken captive years earlier by Nebuchadnezzar. She was able to go into the king because she was the queen and she was able to, to, to save and deliver her people. And she was scared to go talk to the king. But Mordecai, her cousin, said this, you were born for such a time as this. And, and I believe sometimes we have the bunker mentality in Christianity. We're, 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 we're hiding out. We're, we're trying to get away. The world's a bad place. But I believe that Esther would tell us, hey, you, you and me, we're here, right here at this point in history to make a difference, to share the love of Jesus. Uh, you know, the worse the world gets, the greater the news is of the gospel. Can I get an amen? And so this morning, this morning, um, we were going we were gonna, we're gonna to talk about Moses, one of, just an intriguing figure in the Bible. And as Moses approaches us, you know, I would, I would be thinking, man, I can't wait for my time with Moses. I can't wait to hear what he's going to say. But he has such an intriguing life, I wonder what he's actually going to say. Is he going to talk about his birth when his mother, you remember he was, he was born at a time when Pharaoh was throwing uh, the Hebrew boys into the Nile River, and uh, would he talk to us about the creativity of his mother who formed this basket and covered it with tar and pitch and sitting out there in the Nile, or, or would he talk to us about the experience, the encounter at the burning bush? That's pretty cool to go, and an angel's in a bush, the bush is on fire, and the bush starts talking and says, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. I mean, that's an incredible thing. Would he talk to us about 
parting the Red Sea. What he talked to us about striking the rock and water coming forth and, and watering several million people. What he talked to us about going to Elam and, and uh, how the water was bitter and he threw a tree in there and God turned the water sweet. I mean, what would he do? Or, or possibly what he talked to us about leadership. Leadership opportunities and what he tell us what it's like and gives, give us some leadership leadership help on on how to lead people that don't want to be led. I mean, Moses had to lead two or three million complaining, constantly whining people. Uh, that's a job that, that no one really wanted. So as we start to run with Moses, we're just waiting for him to speak to us. And, uh, and, and finally he does. He, he speaks to us. And he kind of catches us off guard a little bit because, uh, you know, here's this guy running with Moses. The Bible says in Exodus 33 that, that Moses was such an incredible person that he was so humble that God spoke to him face to face like friends talk. So we're fixing to get wisdom from somebody who talked face to face with God. It's an incredible thing. And Moses turns and he looks to us and, and, and he says this. He would tell us to live in the faith zone and not in the safe zone. Live in the faith zone and not the safe zone. And uh, as I Think of, as you think about this this morning, some of you are living in the faith zone. You, you're out there. You've taken risks. You've put, you know, your, your head out there. But many, I talk to many Christians who live in the safe zone their whole life. They never want to get out of the boat. They never want to walk on water. They, 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 they stay where it's safe. They stay where it's comfortable. And, and, and Moses starts a conversation off like this. He says that, you know, that each, each person's life, all of our lives, they're, they're measured, they're measured and they're written by, by the risks that, that we face. Sometimes we face, we, sometimes we, we take a risk, and sometimes, sometimes we decide not to take a risk. And, and Moses would tell us this, you know, you would not even be reading about me today if I'd have stayed in the safe zone. I would not be in the Bible today if I would have disobeyed God, if I wouldn't have left the safe zone and got in the faith zone, my story today really wouldn't even be worth, worth telling. And he would, he, he would say that, you know, the greatest moment in my walk with God probably came at the burning bush, and the decision I made at the burning bush, I decided to get out of the safe zone, get into the faith zone, and that decision opened up 40 years for me where God communicated with me daily, where God gave me visions, where I had encounter after encounter with God. And what's very interesting is Moses' life, Moses lived to be 120 years old. And Moses' life is divided up into three 40-year periods. He was born in Egypt, and we'll talk about that in a minute, and, and he stayed there until he was 40 years old. And then something happened, and he left Egypt. He fled from Egypt. Pharaoh was trying to kill him. And he went out and lived in the backside of the desert in a place called Median. And he lived there for 40 years. And then his last 40 years he spent leading the children of Israel out of Egypt and, and toward, uh, you know, the promised land. But what he would tell you is this. The first 80 years of my life, I didn't really encounter God that much. I knew about God. But at the burning bush, when I made a decision to get out of the safe zone and get into the faith zone, the last 40 years of my life, God spoke to me. God talked to me. God showed himself to me more 
in the last third of my life than he did the first two-thirds. And the difference was that he got out, he got out of the safe zone and he went into uh, went into the um, whatever it, whatever it is I'm saying. I lost my train of thought. Got out of the safe zone and went into the faith zone. So Moses, he goes on to describe what he had to overcome. You see, the reason that most people don't move from the safe zone to the faith zone is, is because there, there's hardships that we have to encounter. There's, there's things that stop us, and most of them are in our mind. And if we're going to move into the faith zone, we have to deal with some difficulties that the devil throws us, thoughts he gives us in our mind that want to keep us in the safe zone. You know, when, anytime you want to do something and, and you're praying about something, you know all those, you know, God, you feel like God's telling you to do something and you see the good parts of it, and then all the negative things that come in your mind, do you know where those come from? Where do those come from? You can say it, the devil, right? The devil's flooding thoughts. He's trying to get us not, not to move on with him. So the first thing is this, is that Moses, he had to overcome the experiences of his past. And if you remember the story, Moses was born, it's told in the whole book of Exodus, Moses was born into uncertainty, and he was born at a time when, when the Hebrews, the young Hebrew boys, when they were born, they were being thrown into the Nile and eaten by alligators and all kind of things. And so if you remember the story, uh, you know, after, after, after Joseph moved his family to Egypt, as time went by, a Pharaoh arose who did not know the things that Joseph had done for Egypt. And the Israelites, they're just multiplying so greatly that the Pharaoh, he gets worried because he's like, man, if an army comes to attack us, if they, if they go with the other army, they're going to be old enough to overpower us. There's millions of them. And he was trying to stop the, their proliferation, which, of course, was ordained by God. And he started, killing, he started killing all the males, throwing them into the Nile. Let's read this, Exodus 1.22. It says this, that then Pharaoh... He gave this order to all the people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but, every, but let every girl live. And then Exodus chapter 2, verse 1 through 6, it says, Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got, she got a papyrus basket for him and covered it with tar and pitch. And then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the banks of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her, her attendants were walking along the riverbank, and she saw the basket along the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. So this, she said, this is one of the Hebrew babies. And of course, Moses was taken. He was taken in by Pharaoh's daughter. He lived a life of comfort. He grew up in, he grew up in, the, in, the, in the safe zone in the palace of, of the king of Egypt. He wanted for nothing. Anything that he ever wanted, he received the best education, I mean, the best of everything, the best that Egypt had to offer, Moses received this as he was raised, uh, you know, in, in, in the palace. And then when he was 40 years old, he, uh, he, he got out of the safe zone a little bit. He goes over there and he's watching 
as one of the taskmasters is, was beating a Hebrew slave and just beating him mercilessly. And uh, Moses says he looked one way, looked the other way, and he actually he went out and killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. And, of course, word, word, uh, word got out, of, out about that, and, and Pharaoh was trying to kill him, so he had to flee to Midian. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 11 through 12 and 15, it says this, So one day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were, and he watched them at their hard labor. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, and one, one of his own people, and looking this way and that, and seeing no, when he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand, when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in, in Median. And so Moses lived the next 40 years on, on the backside of the desert, and, and he never forgot the experiences of Egypt. And so, I mean, thinking about this, Moses' only thought about Egypt was, if I go back, they're going to kill me. How I many if you think about, well, if I go back, they're going to kill me, you just don't, you just don't really want to go. You just don't really, uh, that's okay. But, so that was his past in Egypt. Why would I ever go back there? People want to kill me, and the people that want to kill me run, you know, they run the whole country. And so, you know, Egypt was not the place for him. He never intended he never intended to go back. Many of you, have you ever heard, you've, many of you probably heard the story of the cat that sat on a hot stove? Yeah, it says if a cat, one day a cat sat on a hot stove, and so it never sat on a hot stove again. In fact, it never sat on a cold stove either. It just didn't like stoves. That's how, that's how Moses felt about Egypt. I, I just don't choose, care to go back. I don't like Egypt. I don't want to go back. I never want to see that place again. And, but, but Moses would tell us that we have to get out of our comfort zone, that we have to forget about our past. And here, here's what I know about past. I've talked to many people. Some people, their past was a good thing, so they just want to keep reliving it. Other people, their past was not good, and, and maybe, maybe they went through a broken home growing up, or they saw divorce, they saw... That le which led to insecurities, maybe there was abuse, maybe there was rejection. And so what I'm saying, your past can be bad or your past can be good, but to move out of the safe zone and get in the faith zone, you just have to, you have to, you have to forget your past. You have to be able to move forward with the future that God has for you. And so basically when we live in our past, whether it's good or bad, it keeps us. It keeps us from where we need to go. And so Moses would tell us that, hey, listen, the only way I could get, I could get into the faith zone, because the faith zone required him to go back to Egypt. And, I mean, God's had, we're going to read this. God had these conversations with him. And you know what Moses kept saying? That's okay. He started, he, he does what we do. He started making all these excuses. We're going to read them in just a little bit. All these excuses. And then finally he just says, hey, uh, God, would you just send somebody else? And that was just after God kept answering all of his excuses, hey, just send somebody else. And, and so that's what we do. When we're living in the past, we just think, hey, God, someone else will do it. God will send someone else. But God didn't ask someone else to go. God asked Moses. And there's things that God is going to ask you to do to get out of the safe zone and get into the faith zone. There's things... He's going to ask you, and he's not asking you to send somebody else. He's asking you to be obedient, to, to step out in faith 
and, and, and to be obedient. And so Moses would tell you that you have to take a risk. You have to take a risk to get into the, the, into the, the faith zone. The second thing is this. So Moses, he had to overcome his past. But Moses also, he had, had to overcome the comfort of his presence. Now I'm going to ask you a question. And I'm going to pray that you're just going to be honest. And I actually do want you to raise your hand. Okay? How many of you feel very comfortable where you are in life today? Y'all are being honest. What, four people? Five people? Wow, y'all need help. I'm glad you're here this morning, right? Um, so any, anyway, but think, so think about this with me. So, so most people are not comfortable, okay? So the other two are going to get you. But think about this. Moses, he had to overcome his comfort. Let me tell you what happened to Moses from 40 to 80. He left, he left Egypt, and he goes out there, and he's, he, he, he comes into this group of people out in Median. And a guy named Jethro, who's a priest out there, and he has daughters. He doesn't have any sons. So Moses ends up helping him tend sheep. I mean, he's out there. It's a desert, but it's really a wilderness. And he finds a whole new life. And you know what? It's, it's safe. No one's trying to kill him. And it's secure. He has food to eat and a place to live. And Jethro really likes him and, and gives him one of his daughters in marriage, which can either be good or bad. You never know. Anyway, so and they have a son. So think about this. Moses, he is the heir apparent out here to Jethro's, his dynasty, whatever he has going on. Because in those days, it didn't pass down to daughters. And he had no son. So Moses is now his father-in-law. Moses is helping him run everything. You know, he, he, he's given Jethro grandkids. And, and so now, so, so he, but he's in a place of comfort. Everything's taken care of. He's going to inherit. He's going to inherit everything. that he, Everything he's helping to build, he's going to inherit one day. No one's trying to kill him. Again, it, it's safety, it's security, and, and it's, it, it's, it's predictable. So if you think about it, Moses had left the, the pressure cooker of Egypt and he had gone out there and, and he, had, uh, he, he, had, he had found comfort, he had found security. And let, let me tell you something. If you come out of Egypt and people are trying to kill you, hey, a couple years of, of safety and security are not bad, are they not? I mean, comfort is a good thing. But here's the problem. If we become comfortable too long, we become lazy. Not not. Like I'm saying this to you, but I've already said it to me. When we become comfortable and everything is good, I mean, isn't it funny? You, you get a job, you, you're making enough money, you're paying all your bills, your kids are growing up. I mean, if everything is relatively safe and secure, sometimes we don't feel that kick in the pants to get it out of, out of the safe zone and into the faith zone. Why, why do you want to leave something that is, you know, that, that is secure? So Moses would tell us this, that living a life of ease and security and predictability will hinder us from moving into the faith zone where God wants us to live. The safe zone can, can really, it can lead to uh, lethargic and, and really becoming uh, spiritually, spiritually dead and isolated. And, and I think if we're honest, if, if we're dishonest, every one of us as we go through life, we have some bad times and then we recover from those and we get to a place of comfort, and the question is, will we leave the comfort zone, will we leave the safe zone, 
to do something great for God? Will we do that? See, I think there's a problem. It's very, I think one of the saddest things in life is when we're so comfortable that we don't think new thoughts, that we don't dream new dreams, that, that we, don't, we don't desire. There's nothing in us that desires to do something great anymore. And, and, and comfort does that to us. Whenever we get comfortable, before long, we, we, do, we, we become very settled. And the thought of doing something risky is scary. And, and when you leave the, the safe zone, it's not risky. But when you get into the faith zone, God requires you to, to take some steps that may be a little, a little scary. So let me tell you a story. So when Trace and I, we, we were married, we were 20 years old, and we were going to college. And so, you know, we're just working like crazy, working as hard as we can, going to school. And, um, and although I would go back and do those years over again, you know, it was a time we didn't, I mean, every, every week we didn't know if we're going to have enough money to make it at the end, you know, and, and we just didn't know. You know, it was very financially difficult. So I graduated college, and I went to, to my first job was this youth pastor at Family Life in Lafayette, and I went there, and, and, and unfortunately, at first, they didn't pay me very much either, but I was there. I had a job, but as I was there and God started blessing the ministry, the, the people there just love my family, and we love them, but we're still friends this day, and, and then, you know what happens? You start getting raises. You start getting raises, you know, and, and then I had a company car. They gave me a church car to go, they gave me a minivan to go pick up all these kids. I mean, I'd, I'd always had at least five to seven kids in my car. And uh, the, account, the accountant one day asked me, the church accountant said, Terry, do you know how much you spent on pizza last month? I said, Jack, it was a lot. It was a lot. I have a lot of people with me all the time. And the pastor said, hey, load them up, go feed them, do whatever. And so you go that, so four years later, we felt God stirring us to, to move here and start this church. And we started praying about it. And, you know, it's like, okay, we've been, we've been married now for eight years. This is the best we have ever done financially. I mean, we finally actually have money. We're, at, we're finally now, we don't have to worry about, we don't have to worry about, you know, are we going to be able to pay our bills? You know, the church loves me. They keep giving me raises, keep giving me bonuses, you know, all, all this stuff. And they told me, Terry, you can stay here however long you want. And, 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 but then God is saying, hey, you know, yeah, that, that little gig you got going, it's okay. So, see, this is what God says about your comfort zone. It, it's okay. It's not my best for you. I have so much more for you. I have, I have a life of challenge. I have, a, you know, I have some dreams over here for you. But see, you got, you got to leave that. So I was, I, I'm going to be honest with you. One of the scariest days of my marriage when I went to go tell Tracy, I think that God wanted us to move where we didn't know anybody and start a church. She just looked at me like, and, and God told you that, you know? God told you that, you know? Well, I didn't hear it from myself, you know? And she, she was great, and she did that. But here's the thing. When we got out of the, out of the safe zone and, and, and into the faith zone, now the last 18 years we've been here, it has not always been easy. There's been challenges. There's been disappointments. There's been hurt. But you know what else there's been? There's been a lot of people who have been blessed by Family Life Church. There's been a lot of people who have been encouraged. A lot of people, I can't tell you how many couples came here and they were going to divorce court, and now I see them every week, and I'm like, that's a miracle. I can't believe it. 
They were, they were fighting like cats and dogs. I mean, I, I think of all the things that this church has done, and I could have said, well, God, you'll send somebody else. And he could have. He could have. But God didn't ask someone else to go. He asked me to go. He asked me to go. And I was thinking about, I'm really, you know, one of the things that family life, we're really big into missions. We're really big into local and overseas missions. And I, I was thinking about this. Whenever, whenever we first started, I mean, we, we had, literally, we had two people. And I was thinking, man, wouldn't it be good one day if, it, wouldn't it be good if in the life of the church one day before I retire, if we could say, man, we've, we've given a million dollars to missions. Do you know a number of years ago, and I mean, a lot of years we had 20 people, 30 people, 50 people. It's not like we had a bunch of people. We don't have any millionaires here in the church. And you know, about four years ago, we passed the $1 million mark, and now we're headed toward the $1.5 million mark. We've given like $1.3 million to missions. You know how many people that's helped? I mean, so, so what I, here, here, here's, what I, here's what I want to stress to you. Many of you are living in the comfort zone. Many of you are living in the safe zone. And you're comfortable. God wants you to get out of the, out of the safe zone into the faith zone. Here's what happens. When you get in the faith zone, number one, it's going to stretch you. But number two, a lot of people are going to be helped. See, God's plan is not just for you. God's plan is to help people. Why did God, why did God send Moses to Egypt? Because, because God said, the cry of my people has come before me. Their misery is great, and I am sending you to deliver them. So when we get in the faith zone, God activates things in our life and, and things that we could never accomplish on our own. With the Holy Spirit inside of us, we now can accomplish because he, He's helping us. He's, he's, he's living through us. Number three, the third thing is this, is that Moses had to overcome the insecurity of his future. Exodus 3, verse 1 through 6, it says this, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb. Horeb is Mount Sinai. That's the same mountain where they received the Ten Commandments. So Moses was there before. And uh, it says, the, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. And Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. So Moses thought, uh, I will go and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And so out, out there in the, in the wilderness of Midian, Actually, there were these bushes that had, it had a certain oil. And when it would get so hot, it was not unusual just to see a bush on fire, a bush burning. But what, what caught Moses' eye is that bush, that bush is on fire, but it, it wasn't burning up. Normally, these little bushes would just burn up fairly quickly. And the fire is just still going. The fire is still going. And Moses is like, man, I have to go see what is going on over there. Isn't that true in, in our lives? I think we have more burning bush encounters with God waiting for us if we'll just go over there and talk to him. We see something that's unusual, and we're scared to go over there, and, and, and God is waiting. He's waiting to talk to us. And so when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here, here I am. He says, do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And 
At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And then Exodus 3, verse 7, 3, it says, Then the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and a spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And, you know, of course, Moses, Moses felt totally inadequate uh, to do this task. I mean, he tried everything humanly possible to get out of leaving the safe zone. And, and basically, Moses wanted nothing to do with the faith zone, and, but God kept insisting. So I believe the notes are up there on your screen. Look at this. In Exodus 3.11, um, Moses asked this, Who am I that I should go? And then the next one, Exodus 3.13, What shall I say to them? Exodus 4.1, But suppose they will not believe me. And then, of course, Exodus 4.10, but I am slow of speech. Now, if you go through the Bible, God answers every one of these questions he has. And Moses is talking about how he's slow in speech, but if you read the context going back, it's always Moses. He's always the one talking to, talking to Pharaoh. I think his speech was fine. And then every time Moses raised an objection to God, to God's call in his life, God answered it thoroughly. And then in Exodus 4.13, finally Moses just says, Oh, Lord, Please send someone else to do it. And fortunately for Moses, fortunately for Moses, God would not take no as an answer. God just kept insisting, Moses, you're the man, I want you to do it. And of course, he, he left the safe zone, went to the faith zone, and, and you know, basically Moses, he had to trust God. He had to lean on God. He had to, he had to hear from God directly to accomplish this task. So you can look at it two ways. You can look at it two ways. That burning bush experience, it cost, it cost Moses 40 years of hardship. Or you, you can look at it when he, when he got in the faith zone, it was 40 years that were hard, but God was with him every step of the way. You know, a number of years ago, I heard, I heard, a, heard a story, I think it was pretty funny. You know, when George W. Bush, when he was president, one, one day an angel of the Lord came down and talked to him, and the angel said, hey, listen, you know, God, God sent me down here to tell you that you can talk to anyone in heaven you want, anyone you want. And uh, he said, so he thought about it for a minute, and he said, he said, you know what, I want to talk to Moses because, you know, the press is killing me, and, you know, Moses led two or three million constantly complaining people, so I want to ask him how he did it. And uh, so the angel said, I'll be right back. And he, but he came back without Moses. He didn't have Moses with him. And, and so George W. said, well, he said, where's Moses? He said, yeah, Moses says he doesn't want to talk to you. He said, well, did you ask him why? He said, yeah, last time I talked to a bush, it cost me 40 years. I don't want to talk to a bush again, okay? <laughs> so to leave the safe zone and to move into the faith zone, faith zone we said three things required. You have to leave your past behind. You have to leave your past behind. It doesn't matter if the past was bad. It doesn't matter if the past, you know, was, was good or bad. You have to leave it on. The past will keep you 
from getting into the faith zone. We have to overcome the comfort of the present. And, uh, and then we, we have to, uh, let me say something. You know, I think, I think one of the, you know, when I, when, honestly, one of the things I'm concerned about for the next generation, the next generation, so that's all the teenagers here this morning, all the ones back there in children's church, what concerns me about the next generation of Christians is that in the church, we've created such a comfort environment for them. It's such a comfort environment, and we've shielded them from everything. And I know we're supposed to protect our kids, but sometimes they got to go, they need to go through some hard things, you know. If they're so coddled and so protected, and if they're so comfortable and you give them everything, why would they ever get in the faith zone? You create a safe zone that was comfortable for them. And so we have to raise our kids that the most exciting thing we can ever do in life is to leave the safe zone and get in the faith zone with God. We've got to, we've got to have him. But when we get in the faith zone, that's where miracles happen. You notice, Moses never parted any sea. Moses never spoke to or struck any rocks that poured out water. I mean, Moses never did any of these miracles until he got in the faith zone and he allowed God to start living through his life, that God to start directing him. He never did any of these great exploits until he got in the faith zone. Listen, if we want to see miracles, if we want to see God do supernatural things in our life, we have to get out of the safe zone. We have to get into the faith zone. That, that's where the presence of God is. That's where miracles are. That's where revelation knowledge flows. That's where all the things that we need are. And of course, the third thing is we have to overcome the insecurity of the future. And I want you to think with me, really, the only future that's insecure is one without God. I talk to people all the time who decided just to stay at that job because leaving it would be risky, and then one day that job's no longer there. See, when you're in the faith zone, it means that you're with God. It means you're walking with God. It means you're talking to God. And that is the safest, that's the only safe place there is. You're with the one that controls everything. That is where security, uh, you know, really, really is. You know, one of, the, one, of the, one of the common things that I hear Christians say to me sometimes, and, and uh, sometimes some of the common questions that we have in church I don't think they really need to be addressed from the pulpit. Let me, let me tell you why. So many people tell me, you know, Terry, I just don't hear from God. Well, whenever you read the Bible, all the men and women who heard from God is because they were doing something. Was that a slap? I didn't mean it to be. When we start doing something, if we're not doing anything, why should God speak to us? Unless it's like Moses, the burning bush, and he kind of just, he was really doing everything. The burning bush encounter is God doing everything he can to inspire Moses to obey him. It's an amazing story. And so, but when we start, isn't it amazing when we're in the thick and thin, and when we're, we're obedient and we're doing things for God, and we're stepping out in faith, you know, that's when he speaks to you. That, that, and I'm not saying that if you do nothing that God will never speak to you, because I'm sure he will. It just won't be as fluid as when we're with him, walking with him, and we're in, we're in the faith zone. Would you stand with me today? Let me have the worship team come up this morning. Would you just 
would you just, as you stand, would you just bow your heads and just take a moment? And would you answer a question for me in your own spirit? Just begin to speak to the Holy Spirit. Begin to intercede quietly. And ask yourself a simple question. Am I living in the safe zone? Or have I put myself out there? Am I living in the faith zone? God, we just come before you today. Lord, we just humble ourselves before you today. And Lord, even though the decision to get in the faith zone, it may be difficult in the beginning, Lord, we know that it's only when we get in the faith zone, when we leave the safe zone, that we really get in tune with you and really that's the only place that we can be used by God. I feel really in my heart today that I feel really that God is God is changing some things in some lives today. And you know, I'm gonna ask you to do something in just a minute. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you that if you feel, man, I, I'm stuck in the safe zone and I really want to do great things for God. I don't want to live in comfort, I don't want to live in the past, I don't want to live scared of the future. I really just want to get into the into the out of the safe zone or into the faith zone. And what I'm going to ask you to do in just a minute after I pray, I'm just going to ask you to come up here just to really get out of your, get out of your seat and just come up here. And I, I'm going to pray. And I, I believe that there's going to be an impartation of courage. There's going to be an impartation of faith today. And, and here, here, here's my thought. Most probably, if you can't walk up in, into the front of the church where we're all friends and family, you most probably aren't going to take that step of faith. But today, it'll just, be, it'll just be symbolic of, I'm going to take some steps in my life. I'm going to take some steps. I know there's some things that God wants me to do. And, and I, I'm tired of lit, playing it safe. I'm tired of just the hunker-down mentality. I, I'm ready for God to use me. I want to be used like all these men and women we've been talking about. I want to be used like Noah. I want to be used like Esther. I want to be used like Moses. God, we come before you. And God, I pray that you're raising our level of faith. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm going to have the worship team just play and sing a chorus. And as they do, if you feel God is calling me into the faith zone, he wants me to do some things, would you just come up this morning as they're leading us in a song and then I'll pray for you to close up the service today?